Prakash Koda is the CIO at Autodesk, a company he has been with for 15 years. Obviously, things have changed at the company and in the world since that first day, and Prakash has seen it all and adjusted to the changes along the way. On this episode of IT Visionaries, he tells us about his journey and he breaks down what is going on at Autodesk today, including the types of internal innovation they are focused on and the new technology and bots they're using every day. Enjoy this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com platform. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And on the other line, Prakash, how's it going? Good. How are you? You know, it's a great day to be talking about all things Autodesk, all things your career, and the amazing digital transformation that's going on there. But before we get into any of that, how did you get started in technology in the first place? Mm. <laughs> that's an interesting question. Whenever I get asked that, I keep telling people, Hey, when you're born in India, you're given two options. And mostly the decisions are made for you. And <laughs> you, you either become an engineer or a doctor. And if you're lucky, you become a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so my parents navigated uh, and decided that I'm going to become an engineer or pick that track. And looks like it worked out. And I thoroughly enjoy it. And so I, I was into complete, uh, I did my bachelor's engineering in India and moved to uh, States to do my master's in chip designing uh, in Oklahoma State. And then I've always been an engineer and uh, in technology as such. And I, I've li liked what I do and I thoroughly enjoyed uh, uh, what we do at Autodesk too. And I've been with Autodesk for quite some time. Yeah, and so flash forward to today, what is the scope of your role as CIO of Autodesk? Are you working with customers? Are you working on internal uh, stuff only? What does that look like? Yeah, to level set, right, about Autodesk as such, for folks who don't know what Autodesk does, Autodesk makes software so that our customers can make anything, literally anything. And uh, we, are, we have a broad vision of helping our customers imagine, design to make anything. And uh, we were originally a design company, and now we are from design to make. So, like, let's look at, you know, on our car, we are sitting in our chairs, or I have headphones, microphones, and the buildings that we are in, very highly likely that it, customers used Autodesk software to design them before they came into the real world. So we literally make an impact to so many millions of customers out there who have their wide imagination to build things, build cool things, I would say. And so with my role as a CIO, I'm uh, responsible for all of our internal infrastructure and uh, business applications, uh, the ERP, CRM, and all the, all the business applications that our employees consume. And I'm also responsible for enterprise security as well as vendor management and collaboration services, end user services, which includes help desk, desktop support, the core functions of IT. 
uh, and I'm also uh, responsible for working with stakeholders across the company to make sure that the employees are productive and effective all times and to remove friction for them. That's my, that's my primary responsibility. I love that. And I love the, you know, just saying that it's removing friction because I think that, you know, for someone who's been at a company for so long, you know, 14 plus years, I'm sure you've seen, you know, such a transformation over that time. And as technology has changed, you know, the employee experience internally, and you've been a part of, you know, seeing different things, different frictions being removed. How have you kind of looked at, you know, change in the organization since becoming CIO? Yeah, I, I, being in the company for, the, for that duration of 14 plus years, it gives me a unique opportunity uh, to work, one, to know a lot of stakeholders and our business processes and where we are headed. But it also gives me an opportunity to know those trends and areas where we are good at, where we are not good at or where we need to work a little bit more to get better. And so one, when I became or took on the CIO role, the company was going through a huge transformation along with the CEO change uh, that occurred right, right before that. And we have a core goal, like corporate goal. One of the three goals that we have is digitizing Autodesk. And when we say digitize, again, digitize is a big buzzword out there. And when our CEO says digitizing Autodesk, he mentions digitizing Autodesk by removing friction to any of our users, like users that consume Autodesk product, or employees, internal employees, or partners. And for me, this directly ties to the employee experience. And so digitizing Autodesk is a corporate goal that's directly tied uh, to transforming our employee experience and making necessary investments so that we can make, irrespective of whatever function that the employees perform, how can we ensure that they are having an effective and productive day so that they can contribute and bring so much more value to their jobs, in turn helping our customers get the most value? And that's what my role has been in the last two years since I took this role. How do you think about, you know, balancing your time between kind of employee problems and customer problems? Yeah, that's a good question. Again, as a company, we are obsessed as a customer company. We put customer at the center of everything. So ultimately, whatever focus we have for our employees is in turn to deliver that most value to our customers and customers who are using Autodesk products. So I would say... You can never plan a day for a CIO because there's so many unplanned activities that happen that you need to juggle around. But I do ensure that I'm spending a sizable amount of time hearing out from our customers, understanding what challenges they are running into and talking to peer CIOs to see how we can help and add value more than just started as products. And then also internal stakeholders in trying to see how they are leveraging some of the capabilities that my team delivers to them and what challenges and what efficiencies we can bring to them. And then also spending time with my own leadership team and employees in grooming them so that we have a stronger team as we continue to grow as a company. So I would say it's a balance between the customer, employee, internal stakeholders and employee growth standpoint. And you talked you know, a few times about those internal stakeholders, who are those folks? Like who are the people that you're trying to make sure, um, you know, are happy internally? 
I would say it's the divisional heads across the board, whether it you take field operations, finance, marketing, uh, HR, legal, all of these functions. These are all the divisions that we have in the product teams, all the divisions that we have that my team internally works with to ensure that they have the right level of capabilities for them to do their job. Those are the stakeholders that I work with because at the end of the day, they consume our infrastructure, they work in our campuses, they leverage the business applications that we deliver, and they leverage them to be effective and productive. So those are the stakeholders that we continuously work with to see how do we remove the friction so that they can be effective and productive. Do you have like a like a model or kind of like way that you view automation as it relates to, you know, part of this kind of digital transformation for lack of a better word? Yeah. Automation plays a very big role, right? Especially in the digital transformation, Uh, especially when you say you're removing the friction and you're creating, you're focusing on the experience. It is only done behind the scenes by leveraging automation. Like you are stitching things together and automating the workflows or processes, whatever exists. So that from a consumer standpoint and the user standpoint, they are we are hiding the complexity and we are giving them the simple user experience. And that's where automation plays a significant role. And if you look at most of the processes, right, they are very repetitive. And this is where, again, automation plays a huge role, where we don't want to have human beings or employees spending a significant amount of time repeatedly doing the same thing. Because especially as a growth company, we really want our employees to be focused on high value things where we need human judgment. And that is where we are trying to leverage our employees to say, hey, guys, we need to start taking advantage of this digital workforce or these bots or automation to make sure to ensure that they have the right level of support, that the repetitive stuff that doesn't require any human judgment is taken care by those bots or automation scripts whatever you call it. And so they can then focus on high value uh, initiatives. And so I feel like automation is very critical. And in the last one year, we have seen a significant amount of progress that our teams have made that resulted in a lot of value to our users. Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about the like KTLO operations or the, you know, the, the ticket taking type of stuff. And you recently launched um, a really cool way to use kind of bots with your um, help desk. Can you kind of talk through that? Yeah, sure. The, the first transformation that we did, right, we, we, I didn't want people referencing tickets when they interact with IT. I felt like that was a 1990s or to early 2000s kind of reference where people are referencing when they interact with IT through a ticket number. So the first thing that we did was to hide the ticketing system. So we created something called Help Hub. Uh, It's one-stop shop to go to to consume any IT service. And that's the critical word, it's consume. We really don't want employees to interact with us through tickets and and the ticketing and the folks, IT, this side of the uh, fence, folks are sitting and trying to resolve or provide them the needed services. Rather, we created a self-service kind of portal called Help Hub where we expect employees to go whenever they want and go consume those services. And when they have some issues or problems, they could live chat with the bots or they could try to resolve it themselves because the whole notion was when we do need something or when we are running an issue, 
we need that help right then. It's not like I submitted some ticket, I'm waiting for somebody to respond in the next four to eight hours because that's not a consumerization kind of aspect. And that's not digitization. It is adding friction. So when we truly mean when we're removing friction, that's the first step that we did. And the next step was we introduced chat functionality within our, uh, because it used to be a call functionality from there to chat. And from chat, we went to bot. Now the bot recognizes when an employee is trying to consume a service or wanting a service request or want access to a particular application. It recognizes that employee is looking for all of those things. And even they try to reach out or ping, send an email or ask or submit a form. The bot picks up the details and leverages our existing chat mechanism and pings them to say, this is what you're requesting for. And based on your profile, you are granted access. Or if it requires a manager approval, the bot then pings the manager on the chat mechanism and gets the approval and immediately provides the access. So all of these things are done real time. So there's no real ticketing system going behind the scenes where a ticket is raised and then the help desk or IT team takes that ticket and raises one other ticket to the manager asking he or uh, him or her to uh, approve the ticket and then coming back to this ticket and providing it. All of that complexity or unnecessary workflow is totally removed by removing this whole friction and leveraging this bot and the cool technology that we have so that we can provide the necessary access instantaneously. And so that's that, that would be one example that I can share what we did. And are people pretty excited about that? You know, there's always that kind of potential downside sometimes that, you know, the bot doesn't always answer, you know, the things that need to happen or that they want to get to a human being or, you know, that you have to have that, that help desk monitored by, you know, additional human beings. Have you found any kind of sticking points? Yeah. So the, what, what's the, I think that's a very good question. What happens is when you try to move all of the requests or tickets that come to the bot, that's when the bot starts fumbling and they'll start noticing that there's a bot trying to support them. But when we are very selective and really move those use cases, what fits for those, 30% of our, since the time we went live, I think it's probably six months now, 30% of any workload that hits that help desk team is taken care by the bot. And it's not like responding, it's resolving and servicing. These are like service requests that have been fulfilled by the bot. It's not just like the bot responded, but couldn't solve and then handed over to the agent. These are bots trying to solve and the employees feeling like, you know what, I got what I needed as part of this transaction within minutes. And so I would say the percentage, the success rate is humongous are very high. And the reason is we were very selective on as we expand the scope to what goes to the bot and it continuously learns as well, the bot. And so it was very critical for us to decide what kind of features are transitioned to the bot. And and, and then the human beings like our employees also now know how to interact with the bot. As an example, I've stopped on the hallway by an employee to say, hey, by the way, I got a ping from a bot that I'm due for a tech refresh. I have been, my laptop, new laptop is provisioned and ready and I'm ready to pick up or they can drop it off. And I didn't expect that I was due for a laptop. I never even requested one, but the bot told me that I have one. And how cool is that? So when somebody stops you to give an acknowledgement and appreciation of a sudden surprise that they got in a good way. So those are things that we would have expected employees to submit forms, 
right now the bot is pinging them you are due for the next laptop why don't you come and take it it's ready for you to consume it that's awesome when you're kind of getting those use cases how do you share those with the team how do you kind of like evangelize those successes that's a good point. I think we sh- we have a, a, a regular forum, at least within IT, where we showcase some of those use cases and we we broadcast to our employees too. Uh, as part of our overall employee experience journey, we do tell them because we're going through a lot, we're making a lot of changes or enhancing their employee experience through a lot of changes. And whenever a change happens, we all feel like we are a victim because it's happening to us but we are articulating through a broader vision to say, we are trying to do all of these things to provide these values to you guys. So we have a clear articulating uh, aspect uh, to our employees to tell what do they need to expect and, and also seek feedback on a regular basis. And so we have something called employee effort score that we measure. It's not like a typical CSAT on the services that we are trying to digitize and remove friction we calculate what level of effort our employees taking to consume those services. So we measure our services based on that and we call it employee effort score. And it's been consistently growing and we are at 84% this quarter, which is significantly high because the industry standards say that they are anywhere between 56 to 60%. Wow, that's really cool. Was that kind of something that you got kind of some buy-in from other senior leaders or how, what made that so successful? I think what, what, whatever we are measuring are very, whatever we are measuring for our customers, we have something called customer effort score. What, because as I told, digitizing Autodesk is a broader goal that we have. One, to remove friction from our end users who use our products to our employees and partners. So we are leveraging the very similar methodology, what we are measuring ourselves for the customer effort score Similar, similarly, we are measuring for employee effort score. And that's a concept that our senior leaders are aware of and are very supportive. How do you look at solving really hard problems for your team? Like, is there some sort of framework that you use when you have a particular, like a multi-year project or something like that? Yeah, so uh, about a year or two back, or I, it's, it's probably a year and a half now, uh, we introduced this concept we leveraged from Amazon called working backwards approach. So uh, this, is, this is a great concept where we start f- from understanding what the end state should be and uh, we start building our solution and try to solve it so that we don't oversize the problem because typically in any IT or any other software related stuff, when you're trying to solve a complex problem, things keep growing, scope keeps getting added and things just goes beyond what you need and takes forever to deliver. And that's where this working backwards approach helps us a lot we start off saying that assume you're launching this service when you solve this problem and launching this capability to the users, whether the users be internal, external, whoever it is, create a press release. Do a one pager is what we call. Do a press release and it should not have too much or mostly no technology related stuff mentioned in that press release. It talks about mostly value. And that's how we start. And that's a very difficult thing. Writing one page for a software engineers, not including anything about technology and only talking about business value and customers. It's a tough document to fill. 
once you fill that and you really understand what is your total addressable market and serviceable market, then you start looking at how do we solve it? And that becomes almost like our scope document that we work towards to leveraging to solve the problem and to accomplish. And that's how we have been uh, following very religiously on working backwards approach. I love that. And I love how you focus on the business outcomes within, you know, IT or or technology because actually writing out the business outcomes means that I, I assume there is some of some amount of research that they have to do ahead of time to make sure that uh, they know what those things would be. Exactly. And that's, and for an, for a typical engineer, right? A smart engineer gets carried away with cool technology that's out there. And now when my team comes back and says, you know what, but this is not solving this business problem. It's the, it doesn't impact for these users. And this is what the outcome we're expecting. And they are not focusing more on technology because we all know technology is the easy portion on the whole equation, which can definitely be addressed. And more and more folks within the organization are only focusing on, again, the business outcome and putting customer at the center, whether the customer is internal or external, makes a huge difference. And it totally is music to my ears when all of my employees and engineers are talking about the business outcomes and through the lens of customers, then that's like we are headed in the right path is how I see it. What are some of the customers that, you know, you've, seen recently doing amazing things. I know that, you know, Autodesk has been important for a long time in design and creating. Um, and it's cool to see even how some of these customers are, you know, bringing kind of this new age of design and creation. Um, I'm curious, what are some ones that, that you're particularly excited about? Yeah, especially, yeah, that's a good question too. So last week we had Autodesk University, our annual user conference. And I'm just coming out fresh from that conference. And so in last week, we announced that the world's tallest modular Marriott hotel is being created by one of our customers, Skystone. And the cool thing about it is the hotel room, the hotel room modules, what we're talking about, are being assembled in a factory in Poland including down to the lighting and the toothbrush holders and whatnot. And they will be shipped to New York City and stacked at the 6th Avenue construction site. How cool is that? And so this customer is helping to build the world's tallest modular hotel and then ship it and then stack it up in the 6th Avenue in the construction site. And this customer, Skystone, is using Autodesk portfolio products, uh, including AutoCAD, Revit, and BIM 360. That was an aha moment for me on where things have, especially for a construction site, right? We always start talked about a lot of wastage and uh, materials out there. And it's one of the challenges in really modernizing and transforming the overall construction industry. And for me, this was a big aha moment on how our customers are leveraging our software to really modernize the overall approach. And uh, so that is one thing that excited me. And the next thing I would say was uh, this, this company called uh, Womb Bikes. And they are passionate bike riders. If you look at it, the father who wanted to build the best kid's bike possible Basically, children's bicycles shouldn't just be shrunken versions of adult bikes. And so their philosophy is they need to proportionately weighted and sized. And they are leveraging our Fusion 360 
product like whom designed and redesigned most of the required bicycle parts and they are using 3d printing as part of the development and that was another thing that uh, struck to me like how the 3d printing and our fusion product is coming to play in what they're trying to do so yeah there are several examples especially coming out of the conference there are several cool things that our customers are doing and some of these things where we think is it even possible to do like some of these uh, skystone examples that i talked about where you are building this tallest modular construction in a different country shipping it and assembling it those are fascinating for me when i hear those stories yeah that's incredible and we we did actually a a, a podcast series future cities where we touched a lot about you know modular construction and it's absolutely fascinating because you're totally right once you have this thing designed that it's now scalable to be replicated you know over and over and over again, which in the past, you know, most buildings even, you know, there's so much intricacy to each design that you can't exactly kind of like drag and drop it. Um, but with software, you can. Yeah. And that's where I think we keep talking about, we are extending from being a design company to a make company. And this is really making it happen. You are really involved with the CIO community and a lot of technologists. Are there things that kind of coming into the role of CIO and talking with your peers, maybe that you didn't see kind of coming or maybe some difficulties in the kind of early days that were things that were surprising to you? I think data continues to be a center of everything, especially if we are, as we become more and more a cloud native company, a SaaS company, understanding about our customer and so that we can provide the most value for them becomes important and everything revolves when we say everything putting customer at the center it all revolves with data and data is a very complex problem and combined with the privacy aspects and security aspects which we take it very seriously at autodesk makes it even more complex than what we all thought it could especially being enterprise such an enterprise as as company scale and as our technology in the company's increase and where data is flowing from one system to other it is a challenging problem that we all commonly talk about outside of the usual cybersecurity aspect and other things yeah we um we've done a bunch of episodes kind of recently around data um and you know it's kind of one of these uh self-fulfilling prophecies a little bit because more and more data is getting created every day which means that it's a more complex and confusing problem every day um, if you don't have kind of a plan or a strategy around that. How do you look at, you know, planning and, you know, strategizing around, um, you know, your use of data and, and how, you, how you think about it? Yeah, no, we have a focused effort. Uh, one of my peers who focuses so, solely on data is putting a governance structure together across multiple functions, be it marketing, sales and product side and backend systems in trying to see, uh, putting a governance process and structure, making sure we have a framework in how data is ingested and how data is consumed by different divisions so that we are making sure when we do consume the data and when we convert, leveraging the data, when we convert that into insights, we give the most value to our user base at the same time protecting the data that we need to. So the, it's, a, it's a dedicated effort uh, by a role within the organization 
uh, who is a peer of mine. Are there any things that kind of you hear talked about in kind of your CIO circles and, and folks that they're super excited about, or, or perhaps just for you, like a technology that you're really excited about experimenting with? I think we, we AI probably, right? AI is the next big buzz that probably in the last year or two that we are seeing and how integrating AI into the services that we have, both in the customer aspect and internally has been a key thing for us. And that's a usual topic. Like for example, artificial intelligence is, I would say it's gonna play a big role in the whole design process in the form of tools like simulation and generative design for Autodesk. So if you put our uh, whole customer angle as machine learning evolves, uh, I feel like it will accelerate generative design by noticing designers' reactions to what-if processes and incorporating their unspoken preferences into the design process. This is where the whole AI engine can start helping our designers in what they would have done otherwise to really give them those preferences into the design process. And uh, machine learning will also give robots the ability to complete tasks without dependence on designers for explicit instructions. Because even in the design, whole design and make processes, there are several repetitive stuff. And this is where I think uh, the, ro uh, the robots in the future can help uh, to our designers so that one, there'll be much more agility and more preferences for them to choose from. And that's, I think, is one aspect that we are betting on. And two, one other uh, angle in the same AI lens from a customer standpoint, I would say we have built uh, probably a couple of years back, we launched this AVA is what we call a virtual assistant for repetitive customer requests that we get. Uh, we have a bot that is powered by IBM Watson and leverages the central information from Salesforce to provide the most valuable impact uh, for their customers in responding to the queries that they have. Which again, as we continue to grow and scale, this is where the leveraging of AI and machine learning will help us by augmenting some of these capabilities and bots and digital workforce that doesn't require human intervention. These are repetitive stuff that may come so that our uh, employee workforce can be focused on much more uh, human judgment involved, high-end work. And same things we are doing it internally too. Uh, I talked about our help bot and we are putting a lot of emphasis on RPA and uh, automation as such. So I think uh, there are more and more stuff where with AI and machine learning, we're trying to invest to see how it can accelerate the delivery and value that we bring to the user base. That's super fascinating. So can you can you share more about the IBM Watson uh, Salesforce integration piece? Because that, that's super fascinating. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't want to just spill the beans here, but um, I'm super curious kind of how that how you're how you're using that. Yeah, so I, IBM Watson plays as still a, a, is the brain of how it works is how I call it. And it leverages the information that is present in Salesforce, which is central repository for all of our customer information to respond back to any queries or customer service requests that we get for Ava, our virtual assistant to pick and respond back. So when a customer calls, Ava is able to pull the right information about the customer and before customer even talks about, we know all the information about the customer, that this customer has these products and probably from the logs to what challenges or issues they're running into so that 
one it can try to resolve the issues if there is issues or answer the queries without needing an agent transferring to agent because these are very repetitive stuff or if it needs to hand off to the right agent then it can also route it uh, through uh, through our service agents to the right person so that it doesn't land into a wrong person who probably doesn't have expertise on this product line. So that's where I think understanding about our customers, which again, all of these data sites in Salesforce and IBM being the brain, IBM Watson on leveraging and connecting and translating that to our agents on the ground and trying to solve by itself is a critical aspect. Yeah, that's a really fun use case. Are there any other kind of like internal like innovations or a way that you look at innovation internally for uh, both for your you know IT team or your teams uh, or just employees in general you know hackathons or things like that that you do to drive kind of employee uh, innovation? Yeah, we, we on a regular basis we have innovation day, idea exchange. We pull, we explore most of because the employees know more on what their days of life is than pushing all the initiatives from top down. So it, if you look at it, most of our OKR subjectives and key results are balanced between bottoms up and top down. So we do on a uh, regular basis, uh, idea exchanges and hackathons to, we have dedicated days where we make it fun and gamify and really have them really start thinking about if we have an opportunity to solve from scratch or if we are a startup company, how would we do differently? And that, and if we're a digital native company or that workforce, how would we solve? Those are some of the things that we challenge our workforce to think differently. In that way, that muzzle also continues to grow for them because most of us, especially if we are here for a longer time, we have under, we have adapted to a particular business process, the way we work. And sometimes these kind of events really trigger our thought process and juices get, get that working. And that could be brought back to the day-to-day -day work too. What piece of advice do you have for the folks out there who are kind of the aspiring CIOs that are trying to figure out kind of the way to, uh, to work the way up uh, in their companies and provide value and um, you know, think about the business, but also kind of transform IT. Uh, what would be your advice to those folks? Yeah, I would say, I mean, there are three aspects, right? I, I would call out. One, you need to have the appetite to have this continuous learning mindset, one for you and for your teams and organization too, because the technologies are changing so much. So you need to have that skill set and uh, to ability to keep upgrading your knowledge and working with your teams and have that continuous learning kind of uh, aspect. And to have an open mindset in trying to operate and work with different stakeholders and different emerging business needs because so much consumerization is happening in the corporate world right now. We are in such a fortunate time. You need to have that right mindset rather than traditional IT leaders or CIO saying that, no, once you get into the corporate four walls, this is how things are done and keep locking down people and not helping them out, trying to continue to remove that friction, having that consumer mindset. When you come to work, how do I enable my employees or workforce so that they can be much more productive and effective? At the same time, you're not compromising on our enterprise security. So that one. And two, 
evaluate. I mean, three evaluating our tool set. There's always don't. Do, this is the one thing I keep telling my team: don't get married to any particular technology or tools. They are changing more rapidly than what it used to be in the past. So as long as you have that flexibility between skill set, tool set, and mindset, and ability to adapt and change, I think uh, they would be a good candidates to grow into a CIO or aspiring CIO roles. I love that. That was great advice. I feel like uh, I'm. I'm in. I'm in agreement with you uh, this whole episode. Uh, a lot of great nuggets. Um, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy. Just like the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience, go to salesforce.com slash platform to learn more. Lightning round questions. Prakash, are you ready? Yeah, let's shoot. Number one, what app are you using on your phone that's the most fun? What app am I using most? Yeah, that's the most fun. Has to be the most fun. <laughs> I don't know. It's fun, but I use LinkedIn a lot in understanding what peers are doing, what we're doing, what customers are doing. And fun-wise, probably uh, Instagram. What about your favorite thing to cook or eat? I, I'm a vegetarian from a dietary standpoint. I love uh, Indian food, and I probably could cook a nice South Indian meal. Uh, and eat. What about favorite book or podcast that you've read or listened to recently? The recent and favorite book is Mindset. The book on mindset. It's it's a, it's a good read. It, it's both per personal and professional. Professionally, it definitely helps you. Especially, I have a ten-year-old daughter, so uh, that's a good book. I would recommend. What do you do for fun? I hike all weekends. Oh yeah, any favorite uh, hiking trails? Uh, Mission Peak in Fremont. That's where I live. Oh yeah, Mission Peak is great <laughs> and great name. My dad. Um, Mission Peak is <laughs> uh, Mission Peak is awesome. That's a good recommendation because I have not been there in a while, and it's awesome. If you had one piece of advice, what would be your best piece of advice for the first time CIO that just took took the job? Have empathy is what I would say. Uh, uh, as a CIO, when we are, especially if you're in a software company, uh, try to understand. We, as human beings, we have a notion of being a victim, and we hardly put ourselves in other shoes. And so, I would, I always tell this to my team. So, as a senior leader, if you first-time CIO, have a lot of empathy and listening skills for you to be successful. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, do you need more funds? <laughs> <laughs> do you? I don't get asked that question. <laughs> Any CI would say yes. We always prioritize things, so I've never. That's not a question that I get asked regularly. <laughs> do you need more funds? <laughs> Well, this has been awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Any uh, any final thoughts? Any things to plug or open recs on the team? No, I th thank you. Uh, it was nice chatting with you guys. Thank you for doing this. Uh, yeah, no, I, I had I thoroughly enjoyed too sh sharing my opinions and thoughts with you all. Yeah, and for our listeners, if you haven't checked out Autodesk, you know it's uh, it's been an industry leader for a long time, and uh, you know just go to Autodesk.com. You can learn more. Thank you. 
IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform.